Well, our Bible study this morning is going to come from, if you get your Bible, you can turn to Luke 10, Luke chapter 10. And this is a familiar passage of Scripture. And you know, familiar passages of Scripture are hard to study. You know why? Because we, we think we know what it teaches. And uh, this is one of them. We're going to read this. Matter of fact, it's a story. It's a story that Jesus told. And then we'll unpack it. You found Luke chapter 10, begin verse 25. And uh, he said, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What, are you re- what is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denaria and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. My experience with this story uh, has been very narrow. I've heard it preached the same way for years. And when I've heard it preached or taught, I've been encouraged to be a good Samaritan. And so I was sitting there in my own mind say, that's what I want to do. I've been encouraged, I've been enthused, and I go home and I have lunch and I watch TV and all that excitement just oozes out into the TV and it's gone. And I've wondered, is there more to that story than that? There's got to be more to that. Just being a good Samaritan. What do you think? See, it's hard to study a passage like this when we think we know what it teaches. And we do know what it teaches. But I've been encouraged. There's more to this passage than I have been taught in the past. And so where do I fit in? Where do I fit in this story? Where do you fit in? See, I've been told by the preacher and by the teacher, you fit in. You're the, you want to be the good Samaritan. That's where you fit in. And that's what I want to do. But then do I do that? That's the thing, is the doing it. 
the getting up and going, get in my car and go and do all those other things and now I'm going to be the good Samaritan. I'm going to wear out the time I get there. And I don't do it. So, you're traveling down the road to Jericho. You're on your way to Jericho. You got somewhere to go. And somebody's in the ditch. What do you got to have? What do you got to have to stop and help? What kind of an attitude you got to have to stop and help? Well, here's this guy. He's going down this road, and we know that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says that we run with endurance the race that is set before us. That 80 to 20 mile journey down that mountain, Jerusalem to Jericho, the bloody pass. Man must have been a fool down there. So we got the robber. We got the robbed first. Ever been a victim? Ever been a victim? Anybody ever robbed you? This man was a fool to travel by himself. Thieves hide in the caves and the dens. They did. They came out and they got him. Was it an emergency he was going on? He was going by himself. Was he going somewhere to uh, see a friend? Was he going to a sick parent? Was he going to see a lawyer? Was he going to close a business deal? Was he going to a funeral? We just don't think things through sometimes. Some people jump. We don't have a witness. We didn't preserve the evidence. We all make foolish mistakes. Do we think he made a foolish mistake by going by himself? Some of us think there are no good Samaritans on the road of life. In life, you're going to be wounded. But when you're wounded, you're not dead. See, they left him for dead. He was wounded. I don't know how bad he was beat up, but he beat up pretty bad. He couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. So when you get wounded, you're not dead. So when you leave home and go out on the... you got somewhere to go. You're going to Jericho. And so, here you are. People who have robbed you, you know who they are. I know their name. I remember my first job preaching was in Maryville, Tennessee. And there was a man who would come in at least every two weeks. He took his wife to the beauty parlor and he said, well, I'll just go down and talk to the preacher for two hours. While she's in the beauty parlor. He'd come down and just spend time just talking about everything from fox hunting to, you know, building fences. Robbed me of a lot of time. But the old man needed that. Maybe they beat up on your self-esteem. You've been the victim. Maybe they've hurt your feelings and beat up your feelings. Maybe they've fractured your confidence. Maybe they've humiliated you in the front of somebody else. Maybe they have empowered you or overpowered you by their influence in the position. Maybe they've taken advantage of you in a business deal. Been outnumbered trying to defend your reputation, your name. Your peace and harmony has been disrupted. 
by the ambush. Look at Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Somebody has disrupted peace and harmony in my life. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything may be established. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he even to hear the church, let him be to you like a, a heathen and a tax collector. Somebody has disrupted your peace and harmony. Are you willing to go to them? Are you willing to go to this extent? Are you willing to go to them and stick it out and say, let's get this thing settled? Becoming a peacemaker? Are you willing to follow the process through? So yes, I've been the victim. You've been the victim? What about the robber? You ever been a robber? You ever robbed anybody? Attitude totally selfish. What yours is mine and I'm going to take it. To satisfy one person at the expense of another, to deprive, to take from, or to intimidate. Yet I've robbed people. I know who I know their name. It's like I know the names of those who've been ugly to me. Do you know the people whom you've robbed? It may be that you have taken your friendship from them for some petty reason. Or excuse. You've robbed them of a friendship. You've shown favoritism openly. You've taken advantage of someone unfairly, physically, emotionally, or financially. Intimidated someone. My wife tells me, says, Steve, sometimes you can be intimidating. When people talk to you, you look them right straight in the eye. And I say, I sure do. She said, that's intimidating sometimes. Have you ever intimidated somebody to the point of controlling someone's conduct? Or the decisions they would make? Have you ever dominated the situation unnecessarily with a shy person? Someone that's non-aggressive. <clears throat> ever been uncaring in your attitude toward others? You see, I've got to go to Jericho. I've got something I've got to do. I've got to go to Jericho. I don't have time for all that. Been uncaring in your attitude toward others and the burdens they have and the baggage they carry. You know, we all got baggage. 
Let's just unpack some of it. You want to? No, you say, you unpack my baggage here. You ain't going to unpack my, some of it dirty. You ever gone through one of those things at the airport where they open up your baggage? Uh-uh. People got baggage. You see, I don't have your experience. You don't have mine. You wasn't raised by my parents. I wasn't raised by yours. You didn't have four sisters like I did. If you had four, you didn't have my four. Raised in one house with a bathroom, one bathroom. Don't tell me your story. Yeah, I got baggage. And so I have robbed people of somebody that somebody that needs they need to talk to. They just need somebody to just stand there and look at them and listen. So let's go get a cup of coffee. I've robbed them. I've manipulated people. I've dominated the situation unnecessarily in a conversation, thus robbing people the way to express their feelings, their ideas, their concerns, their opinions, and their fears. You ever dominate a situation and somebody will say something and maybe they're afraid to say it? You've robbed them. You wouldn't let somebody do something for you. Acts 20 and verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I've had people come up to me and say, Brother Valley, I like that tie. And I used to say, ah, I got it at Goodwill. You know what I say now? Thank you. Someone who loves me bought that tie, and I thoroughly enjoy wearing it. We rob people of the joy of giving. At a meal. Hey, who cooked these green beans? Man, these are the best green beans I ever eat. The woman said, oh, you just robbed me. I'm serious. You just robbed me. You know what I feel like now? I'm sorry, I mentioned it. I'm sorry, I mentioned that. I have been someone's difficult person. Maybe today. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm this trucker's difficult person today coming down here. We passed each other a dozen times. I just meant to stay in the speed limit. He wanted to do, do it and then not do it. Do it then not do it. And so I, anyhow. But you know what? Then there's the priest and the Levite. There's the, these are the avoiders. I've got plenty of time, Adam. These are the avoiders. The priest. 12,000 priests live in Jericho. Fellow Jew, pillar in the temple functions. 
by birth and calling was a neighbor, under obligation to help the Jew, but didn't. They were selfish and indifferent. The Levite, sons of Levi. Doorkeeper in the house of God. Singers of the temple choir were chosen from this group. Considered a neighbor. The saying, charity begins at home. With them, charity ends at home. They avoided this poor victim. Like we used to say on the interstate when something happens over there in a wreck, you know, we, we're not going to stop and help. We're just rubberneck. We just stop it and we slow down and back traffic up. And they wasn't going to help him. They went around on the other side. They had religious work to do. Did you know in Numbers 19 verse 11, he who touches the body of anyone that is dead shall be unclean for seven days? Well, if I touch him, we'll be, we won't be able to do any church work for seven days. We'll be unclean. All of us have somewhere to go. To avoid helping someone else is avoid being godly. Godly. There's situations you don't want to deal with. I don't want to deal with that. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not an ATM. What can I do? I do appreciate people stopping. I'm a young married man. My wife's pregnant, first child. We've been to church. We now eat, we're on our way home. And a drunk man runs a stop sign. Hits us, T-bones us. Knocks me out of the car. I go rolling down the highway. Knock my kneecap out of the place. I can't find my wife once I get up. I can't find her. Half of her face is cut off. Arm is broken. Blood going everywhere. And a trailway bus driver stopped. And he came over when I finally got the door open and got down to her. He said, I can't touch her. But he said, if you'll just put a pressure point right here, I hear the, side, I hear the ambulance coming, the blood will cease. If you just put, put, put the pressure, he showed me where he didn't touch her. But he said, just put the pressure right there and it'll stop. It'll slow it down, keep her from dying. I'm glad he stopped. Well, <clears throat> we have religious work to do. Some can't stop, some won't stop. People we don't want to be associated with. We don't want to be associated with alcoholics, homosexuals. Unwed mothers, homeless, unfaithful. This couple that's got this kid that's giving them Greek, I hate to see them coming. Because they've got a sad story and I, 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 don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fool with that. Maybe that's what they need. 
I just avoid that. See, I am avoiding being godly. What Jesus is giving us here is practical spirituality. Practical. Day-to-day stuff. Don't mind using the gospel gun on them. As a matter of fact, I can point X238 at them. We don't want to get mixed up in a time-consuming mess. Our compassion is not concise, but it's very wordy. Remember people trying to be trying to be compassionate and they just go into this big long spiel? Well, just hush. People say, I don't want to go to a receiving of friends. I don't know what to say. It's not what you say. It's not what you say. When my first wife died at the funeral, people lined up everywhere, out the building, down the hall, down out in the parking lot. A lot of people didn't say much. They just hug you. They just hug you. Her compassion is very genuine. I don't want to get caught in this crossfire, this feud. I violated Galatians 6 and verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good unto all men, especially who? Those of the household of faith. Those brothers and sisters. We avoid the issue, avoid the subject. This person's life is in such a mess and so involved and in need of assistance, lying there in the ditch in the road of life. I've got to go to Jericho. I ain't got time to stop and fool with that. Read this article of the day. Did you read this article? This policeman stopped. This guy's car, tar, car had stalled. The policeman got down on his hands and knees says, you got my back? I'm going to look down here and see if I can help you. He got down underneath that car and helped him. A policeman. He didn't have to do that. He could call somebody to come. We avoid people in the ditch. They're in the ditch emotionally. They're in the ditch spiritually, financially, and socially. And sometimes we have the attitude, they deserve it. I'm going down the highway and I forget what I'm doing. I've got the radio on going. I'm going to I'm listen to some something going on or whatever. And all of a sudden I look up and there's a blue light. I pull over. And what I want, mercy or justice? Huh? I want mercy. And he gives me mercy. Then I get back in my car and after I've told him my experience because he said, I know there's a reason why you were doing this and I sure would, be, I sure would like to hear it. And so I tell him. <laughs> and I convince him. 
I'm going down the road. Here comes a guy past me, and he blows my doors off. Where's that cop now? Oh, I pulled it about five miles down. The cops got to pull over. What I want for him? Justice or mercy? Justice. Are we goofy or what? Huh? Then there's a Samaritan. What I have, I'm going to share it. <clears throat> now here's what you do. You take the name Samaritan and scratch it out. Don't actually literally scratch it out, but mentally scratch it out and write in there, write in there, the group of people or person that you despise the most. And nobody will say shame on you. It could be a deadbeat. It could be them people down there. You know, the people down there. You know, we, we, you know the people down there. You know people over there. The illegals. The terrorists. Until you're able to do this, this story will not do what God wants it to do to your heart. Here's the Samaritan. Here is this Jew was laying there in a ditch. Did you know the Jews and the Samaritans were so prejudiced one another a Jew would not even eat an egg if it came from a Samaritan hen? That's pretty bad. The prejudices we have. On our trip to Jericho is an opportunity to be like God. Yet personal plans and desires and ambitions and prejudices get in our way. You see, the Samaritan's attitude was, I may lose my life if I help him, but I'll not lose my soul. Yet he took a risk. He went on the edge to be good and do good. Maybe you've been told, I don't see how you do it. I don't see how you do it. If we said at your funeral, you don't know the things that this man or this woman has done, no one knows about, the good, the shoes that they've given away, the clothes they've bought for little kids, you will never know they did not brag about it. That's how you do it. Go out of your way to help others. Freely give yourself. You've given someone your bed, your car, your seat, your position. Person comes over. They've got one car for the family. It's broke down. And you've always said, if I can ever help you, come on over. You reach in your pocket and give them the keys to the car. And your wife said, give them the truck. Give them the truck. We have altered our schedule and postponed our agenda to help someone else. What do you have to have to help those that are in the ditch? What do you have to have? What gets in the way that keeps me from helping? So here's this person. They stop. They see how he's doing. They check his injuries. They bandage him up. 
He picks him up, puts him on his vehicle, or puts him, puts him in his vehicle, on his vehicle. He takes him to a safe place. He pays for his keep and then prepays for some. He spends the night with him and he comes back to check on him. He got in the situation for the long haul and good people, that's exactly what Christ has done. He got involved with me and he stayed with me all the way to the end and gave his very life for me. And you. He was in it for the long haul. But God commended his own love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't understand John 3.16 fully. When I make it personal, it becomes a little, a little plainer. For God so loved Steve Riley that he gave his only begotten son that if he believes, he'll have everlasting life. Then there's that innkeeper. The caregiver. You see, the wounded are brought there. All kinds of people, all kinds of needs. The sick, the tired, the troubled, the drunk, the sober, the young, the old, the crippled, the immature. The weak, the bereaved, the depressed, the unlovely, the single, the married, and the immoral. Did you know in a motel you may be sleeping next room to an immoral person? A drug addict? A prostitute. Hmm? Yet that innkeeper takes them. I've often wondered what it would be like to be an innkeeper. Well, since it's prepaid, I'll get involved. You've been handed a responsibility that's something that's fragile. Got involved with a project or a person that was not enjoyable. You see, involvement ties you down. Again, back to my first work at Maryville, I told the elders one time, I said, I, I work with alcoholics. And I said, I tell them, if you need me, you call me. And I said, I want you to know that if somebody tells you they see me come out of a bar at one o'clock in the morning, I'm there to get my friend. Because I told him if he needs me, I'm coming. And some of them fall off the wagon. That lady called me at two o'clock in the morning one time. Phone was on my wife's side of the bed, so she reaches and hands it over to me. And I said, hello. I could tell she's drunk. She's drunker than a skunk. She said, you don't want to listen to me, do you? And I said, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. She said, I'll call you tomorrow. Bye. I saw her a long time after that, after I left Maryville. She came up to me and she said, Brother Riley, here's my 11-year pen. 11 years I've been sober. Well, you see, being an innkeeper can make you judgmental. 
make you judgmental. If you look close to the interstate, you see these signs these guys hold up. Vietnam vet. We'll work for food. One man said, they won't work for food. I offered him an onion. He wouldn't, we wouldn't work. There's a idea at that. They won't do it. You know, I got to think about that. I got to think about that. You hear these guys, they're out there, and they're asking for help. Maybe they got some mental things going on. But you know, that's somebody's daddy or brother or son or mother or daughter. And I said, why are they here? Why, why, why are they there? Why? What is it? Then I have to think about my mother. <clears throat> think about my mother. My mother took some wrong advice. And there she was. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. She took some wrong advice and started down. And that person standing there probably took some wrong advice that started on that downward spiral. And here I am. It's made me very judgmental. How about you? Where are you in this story? You know where I am? I am the story. I'm the story. I've been a victim. I've been a robber. And I avoid a lot of things. But there have been some bright moments in my life where I've actually gone out of my way and helped somebody. And I have gotten involved in taking care of people who need some help as a caregiver. Now then, wouldn't it be wonderful if you knew, if you knew, I've got five minutes, I've got five minutes. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you knew what attitude each of these people had in the story? What, 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 what about that attitude they had? What about it? For their behavior to develop like it did to develop that attitude they had. What we pronounce by word or display by behavior is what's going on on the inside. You see, external behavior equals internal state. External behavior. Our, our behavior comes from our core values. Everything we do that's significant has to be checked with our core value. Our core values. And so are my values in place? This is the question. When I get out on the road of life, is my, are my values in place? When I get out on the road of life, 
And what do I have to have within me if I find someone on my way to Jericho that's in the ditch? Emotionally, physically, socially, spiritually. Got to be godly. Got to be godly. What gets in my way that keeps me from helping them? Do I love my neighbor enough to inconvenience myself? What if responsive caring is the measure of our spirituality? As I said before, I believe what Jesus is teaching us here is practical spirituality. Does anybody have a thought they'd like to express about anything that we've said thus far? Have a thought? <laughs> I don't want you to do any confessing. <laughs> I'm guilty like you are. Anybody? Boy, I did a good job then, didn't I? <laughs> they have no questions, no comments. Okay, if not, then let's close with prayer, please. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful to you for this occasion, for the time that we can spend in studying your word and talking about things that pertain to life and godliness. We pray, Father, that we have not misrepresented you in any way today. If so, we're sorry. Father, help us to take this lesson that we have learned today from this passage and help us to be more concerned about being caring for those who are wounded, those who are in the ditch as we make our way to Jericho. May we always look for opportunities to be godly. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.